three, two, one. Somebody once started a podcast called Sardonicast, and I think it's pretty cool. Hey, everybody, this is Sardonicast. <laughs> I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. This is a quick one. I'm Ralph from You Try to Go Slow Movie Maker. Yep. And I'm Alex from IHE, and you really subverted us there. Adam. Yeah. I was, I was hoping for the full thing, but. I'm a real Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he Johnsoned us. Yeah, I often find so there's like there's st- there's still a few more that I haven't done, you know. The, there there's there's different intros that I oh, yeah. have lined up, but some of them require a bit more uh preparation. Some of them are really easy and I can just like uh whatever fuck it. And last night I completely forgot we were doing the podcast in the morning until right before I was going to bed and way too late. So <laughs> there was there was no chance. Do you need of, like a cast of like people to help you? Do you, if you want to come up with more ideas for the intros <laughs> for this and help me with that, I would not object. Because okay. oftentimes I find okay, like, oh yeah, it. I'm recording the podcast yeah. tomorrow, and then I have to just like scramble for something. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a thing <laughs> that I have to do at points. Anyway, speaking of this podcast. Last episode, we had uh, uh, filmmaker, director, and actor Matt Johnson on the podcast, and we talked about F for Fake, the Orson Welles weird documentary uh, essay thing, and it's very meta, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the movie itself, there's some fakery, there's some trickery, right? And I realized Mm -hmm. it basically at the end of editing that episode, I realized how fucking awesome it would have been if we recorded that entire episode and then at the end i revealed that it wasn't actually matt johnson (laughs) 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 and like fucked with you and was like yes this is just somebody doing an impression like an impersonation (laughs) fuck i should have done that i should have done that (laughs) that would have been so good at the end yeah, oh, I know. I mean, the episode's already out. <laughs> but, man. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah, missed opportunity. It was just like, fuck. Yeah. So we got some movie news. There's going to be a Scarface remake. So another remake, what? because the 80s remake mm-hmm. is already a remake. But there's a new remake coming. Another one. Ralph, I hear your first <laughs> impressions just yeah, based well, on, I didn't know this on the was title <laughs> alone. Coming out. But uh-huh. who's directing it? The same director as Suspiria remake and Call Me by Your Name, Lu- Luca Luca Guadagnino, uh, and apparently Coen mm-hmm. Brothers are working on the script. So, with all of that information wow. in mind, you just subverted it again, dude. Yeah. <laughs> on paper, that sounds okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I, I, I've never seen the original Scarface. I've, I've, I've never bothered. Is it one worth checking out it's and going not, back to? It's not sacred, like godfather is like if they were remaking that but yeah i don't know i don't think they should remake it some people might disagree with you i hear a lot Uh of i when people say remake of scarface a lot of people are like no you can't Mm -hmm. in in my opinion it's it's less of an idea of like whether or not something should or could be remade but it's about who's doing it and what kind of goals they have so with suspiria from the same director we saw that he wasn't trying to do the exact same thing again and just modernize it. He was going for something completely different, which is great. If you want to mm-hmm. do something completely different and it's good in its own way, I don't see any issue with that, especially if the, the one that people love is already a remake anyway. So 
I don't know. My impressions, I'm not really opposed to it. Yeah, I, I think the director and the Coens being involved too is like a big... It is all about just who's involved and like what mm -hmm. the the origin of the the creative idea was. Like, was this a studio thing? Like, they just it's time to remake Scarface. Who are we going to get to do this type? Of, or was it the director actually chasing the project? I'm not really sure the origin there, but that does make a huge difference. You know, yeah. To like, oh yeah, boy, I'm, I'm curious who they're going to cast. It's Tony Montana, especially. Yeah. If they're going to top Al Pacino, because that role is so iconic for him. I don't know. If you, I don't think you could top that. But they'll try. Yeah, that, that would they'll be a big issue. But we don't know what they're going for, really. Yeah, it could be, that's true. It could be like uh, under the skin take or something. <laughs> like, it could just be <laughs> really weird. A bit weird. Yeah, something that's like completely subversive. It is disappointing to me when, like, why would you choose to put yourself in that situation, you know? If you've got like two choices and it's one... Make a make a movie about something new, or you know, even remake remake something that people don't care about anymore. I th I feel like the Suspiria one was quite good, is because it's not as ubiquitous as Scarface, so it's got you a have cult a bit more leeway following. for creative. It definitely has a cult following, but it's not. You can't like go up to anyone on the street and be like, oh, "What do you think of the original Suspiria?" And like, sure. <laughs> you know, but it's I mean? very of its time. It's very nineteen seventies. It's like clearly a giallo. Like you can't enjoy it as anything mm -hmm. else. Scarface still holds up. Like it's still really good. You can just watch it as a great movie. Mm -hmm. It's not even that old. I like, I don't even think they need to remake it at this point because it just I hasn't mean, even been that long. It's been longer than any of the Spider-Man reboots. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Batman, or Batman, all that. It's like five years or a wide variety of things, especially considering foreign films being remade into american films total recall was that the 80s or was that the 90s one of them the remake was not soon after yeah yeah i don't remember the remake though i've seen it i don't remember it <laughs> i don't remember yeah. a single thing about it either i don't know maybe uh the 80s is like 40 years away <laughs> yeah. it is it's yeah it's a bit, it's bit of time up. we don't know what their intentions are but i do find it interesting that that he's making it. So hopefully he does a good job. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. I hope it's good. These reports, uh, some of them are pretty speculative. Like they're saying that uh, reports suggested that uh, Training Day director had at one point been set to direct. And then after they left the project, a script by Coen Brothers was about to be filmed with Diego Luna in the lead role. I don't know who that is. Hmm. So I don't know, like, Guadagnino just jumped in or how any of this is going. But I like the director a lot, even if not every single one of their movies clicked with me. But, like, there's at least three from this director that I really love. And they're all pretty much exclusively his most recent ones. So somebody who I'll be checking out his films regardless. What do you think the chances are of, the, of it falling apart, perhaps? Cause it's, I don't it's know. Not like a, it's not an impossibility, you know. <laughs> Certainly like, like not. Right, tried to make a Marvel movie and that fell apart. These creatives, you know, working in these uh, established universes. I guess it depends on the creative freedom. We just don't really know enough at this point. They don't have a lead to play Scarface yet. Diego Luna would yeah, not exactly. sell the the movie. Like I don't think he would top Al Pacino. That's the guy from Star Wars. Rogue One. He plays oh, Cassian. I still haven't seen that. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, it's that guy. 
<laughs> Whatever. We'll yeah, see that's how the Scarface like now. Not quite Al Pacino, but no, not quite. All right. Yeah, I guess not much more to say about that other than it's <laughs> yeah, weird that see. it's happening, mm-hmm. and I'll be super weird. Cautiously optimistic. There was a new film that got released recently that uh, I guess I'm the only one out of the three of us that saw it. It's the uh, <laughs> five hour and 40 minute long Neil Breen <laughs> retrospective yeah. documentary that he says is not a documentary, <laughs> but it is, I guess. It's like a masterclass, right? He like yeah. sits down and tells you oh, right. uh, okay. filmmaking knowledge Yeah, he's learned. We learn from the master, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it was... Uh, I mean, it's it's a must see for any brain fan, <laughs> anyone who really? can tolerate who he is and what he does, which I love his films. The price tag kept me away from it. But... Right? <laughs> yeah. How much is it? It's over one hundred sixty dollars. Yeah, and then converted to Canadian, what? it's like two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, USD. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what what information is in it? What, is he, um, what do you learn out. from this this colossal Lord of the Rings length experience? Uh, well, he um, we learn a lot about him uh, in in like a character yeah, sort of way. It's kind of like a weird unintentional character study, like any one of his films, I guess you could say <laughs> that. I've it, it's so bizarre because like he constantly says even within this documentary and within interviews he's given before he constantly says like i'm not revealing anything about what anything means ever and even in this documentary he says that and then at other points where he's like it it kind of seeps through in unintentional ways so he'll be like he'll be talking about a scene or like a prop and he's like here's the character Dylan uh, with the the Book of Life while he's inside the uh, the black cube. I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know it. <laughs> like, that's what was happening in this scene. <laughs> I thought he was in a garbage room or something. And it's like, you learn about the movie that's accidentally. <laughs> and he, he literally, he talks about the symbolism of the baby heads, like, pretty directly in the desert oh, yeah? from I Am Here Now. I forget what he said, but I, I have it time stamped. I'll, like I'll probably be making a quickie of, of this. This uh, <laughs> thing, so I'll include that clip. But I find it funny because he's like he's constantly saying, "I will never talk about it," and then he kind of does by accident in a way. The five-hour, forty-minute runtime is not justified in the slightest. It, it is like <laughs> it, it's so funny, but also exhausting. Like you have to be willing to suffer a bit <laughs> for the experience. What's like the format? Like, is it showing behind the scenes? stuff or is he just like breaking it down scene by scene (laughs) it's him in his home there are two locations where he films himself basically talking to the camera one's on his couch and one's in his uh editing bay and then occasionally if he forgets to say something he'll freeze frame and then voice over in post and it sounds very different and it's Right. <laughs> One of the lines that he freeze framed and, and talked over was him saying, like, it's very important to have movement in the shot. And he goes on for like two minutes talking about movement while the frame is literally frozen. It's beautiful. It's really funny. And so there's that. <laughs> and that makes up like the bulk of him talking in his voiceover. But then he shows clip shows of his films 
for each section. And so some of these sections would be like lighting, production value and budget, character images, writing. One of the the sections was exclusively just romance, which I found pretty amusing. <laughs> and for each of these sections, he'll talk about them on his couch or from his editing bay, edited together. And then we get the clip show. And every time he does the clip show, over this five-hour, 40-minute-long documentary, <laughs> I guess, he just keeps repeating himself, and he shows the exact same shots over and over again to the point where it's like he's talking about set design or whatever, and then we get a big green screen shot, and he's like, uh, yeah, this is a set I designed for the newsroom, and it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, the, are you talking about the desk? Because that's the only thing that's real in this frame and then he, he then he says like oh, i'll talk about more about this in the special effects category so well why is it here quite literally like four different times for some of these shots where he says pretty much the exact same thing but yeah we learn a bit about uh his his lighting is what i probably learned the most about he's got <laughs> like uh this one uh i guess it's called a light diffuser that he, that he like cut a slit in and then once you see that it's there in this documentary and you start looking through the shots again, it's like, holy shit, he uses that all the time. There's this like slit of light <laughs> in like every single one of his movies for like 20 shots. So it's the same trick. Yeah, <laughs> he's a character. And like, it, it's just so it's so confusing. But at the same time, it's really wholesome because he shows clips from like, some of his screenings he's like this is when i went in paris there were 2700 people at this screening and it just shows them all cheering mm -hmm. and he's like talking about how how fulfilling of a feeling it is to have everybody like excited and enjoying his movie and he's like man i i don't i don't read the real critics i just you know if somebody goes on twitter and says they love it that's just the most important thing it's like damn there was this uh i guess concern coming from people i remember when we had critical on and critical was talking about how he knew about neil breen and he was kind of like somewhat <laughs> not super seriously but yeah. somewhat upset like oh man you shouldn't have shared him to the world watching stuff like this where he's like not only able to get more of a budget and successfully sell his films because of this large audience but also he seems to love that other people love his movies who knows how aware he is of how ironically people are enjoying them but still i mean i only see positives at this point so <laughs> not upset about it so how long do you think this project took him to make by your estimation uh i it's mean it long. wasn't six hour long project uh, but no just shit that hour, are you? yeah exactly like it's it's not like a meticulously made thing like if it if there was more thought and effort put into it it wouldn't be that long it would be trimmed down <laughs> he, if he yeah. i'm not even sure that he's watched over it because if he like took this five hour 40 minute long thing and just like watched through it once in the editing room he would have cut out half the movie where he just repeated himself <laughs> like over that yeah you know so I, I'm not sure he spent a very long time making this at all. And what's really weird about it, like, it's supposed to be this masterclass, but the questions that you want to know the answers to the most, 
he doesn't really say. So in the production values uh, category, he'll, he'll be like, yeah, it's really important to, to use the this environment to add production value, but he doesn't really go into what that means in, in terms of like what makes it appear higher production value. Because like to the average person watching, it doesn't. It looks like a kind of <laughs> cheaply made movie. Like you can tell there's a bit of a budget there. Yeah. Uh, you can tell there's like a, a soul and passion there, but... He'll like be like, yeah, th- this is a shot where we uh, we were at this location. It's like, well, how did you find the location? Did you build these structures? Did you cap into, you know, like you have these questions. Mm-hmm. If you were genuinely interested in learning from Neil Breen about making movies, sadly, I don't think that you would get that much out of it. However, if you're interested in watching it for just, you know, the insanity that is him and what he produces and his character then you'll get something out of it but you have to you have to be patient it's a real gene dillman type of joint (laughs) well what's that other six hour movie we keep referencing christ what is it called satan tango something (laughs) or something no you always bring it up (laughs) what is it called it's got that weird poster it's like like six seven hours long yeah it's like a really uh, underground art film six or seven hours long it's Maybe even it's longer. longer than that. Yeah, and we've mentioned yeah, it you frequently. The, Adam, you're the one that brought it up. Yeah, you, the the cremaster. Oh, cycle? cremaster cycle. Is yeah, that it? yeah. Those um, those are several different movies. One like ranging from like half an hour to like five oh, hours okay. or something. Okay. Yeah, those are torture. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think sometime? there's room for some kind of like supercut of the six hours of Breen? Uh, that's kind of getting the best bits or what? Because like, you're not really selling me on the six hour. Experience. I mean, if you're if you're a Breen fan, you should add it to your collection before he just randomly decides to stop selling it on his website. Man, right? Yeah, like like he talks about marketing too, marketing and sales. Like, I I love you, Neil. You built your brand. People love you, but you can't just remove two of your films from your website not sell them anywhere else from what i can tell he doesn't sell any of them on digital he doesn't have any kind of like blu-ray thing going on he manages his own distribution and that kind of limits him in a way he could be making so much more money if he was doing it properly and ironically enough two of the the two films double down and i am here now that he just refuses to sell anymore for no reason those films are featured in this retrospective. So you're kind of getting oh, like weird. mixed signals. So it seems like, yeah, this shot, blah, 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 blah. If you're interested in this shot and some of the things you can tell like, yeah, this really worked well. He's like proud of it in a way, or at least parts of it, the parts that he shows. But then it's like, okay, you're not selling them. People want to watch <laughs> them. He's an artist, man. He just does whatever he wants. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. Even in the trailer for it, he was saying, like, you're going to learn about online distribution, Blu ray distribution. But his movies aren't on Blu ray. They yeah. don't come in, like, jewel cases. There's no, like, they're not on Amazon. <laughs> they're, they're so hard to find, actually. Yeah. It's, so it's, he doesn't know much about that stuff. It's a part of the experience to, to order a <laughs> film from him and hope yeah. that it works. And then it properly. comes in, like, just a disc in, like, a little case. Yeah. This one was two is, discs. Is it, like, written in marker? on the front um it's like a it's it's really basic print with just text he yeah. used to autograph them 
back <laughs> before I did my Faithful Findings review. Those ones, mm-hmm. those three I have are autographed. He just did that. Maybe if maybe if you like asked him in the notes when you ordered, like he would do that. But you don't really learn a whole lot for five hours and forty minutes. And and <laughs> I shit you not, I'm not even kidding. One of these clip shows with not even any voiceover, literally just clips from his films. I think in the uh, character images section, goes on for almost an hour not even kidding very least 45 minutes i think it was about 55 minutes <laughs> but it's still watchable for me because it's just clips from his movies and i i think they're amazing <laughs> and hilarious and and it, it's also a, a weird kind of uh, character study in of itself in terms of which clips he shows because some of them in this clip show are kind of like indistinguishable from someone making like a funny moments clip show on YouTube, right? <laughs> but he puts them in Try this retrospective of things that he's like genuinely proud of. And that's good for him. <laughs> and I wouldn't want it any other way because he will be unfazed and continue to make masterpieces. But man, it's just so bizarre. Did you watch it in one burst or were you just like multitasking? I watched it in two days. Okay. I would have watched it all in one day, but it was late. <laughs> it was like one in the morning at the end of disc one. And so I was like, nah, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll save this for tomorrow. So, yeah, worth watching. Much of it feels like, uh, like an old relative sh- showing like vacation photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way. That summarizes at it. it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It's like your uncle. Your uncle. Yeah, makes exactly. <laughs> your estranged uncle. Yeah. <laughs> you just film some in his house and like around around town. <laughs> There's parts of the movie when like he's doing the voiceover and it, it it seems like he's trying to trick people to make it seem as though things are happening that aren't like he he says like. That tiger is not CG, it's not green screen, and all I'm thinking is like, that looks pretty fucking green screen to me, Neil. <laughs> like, <laughs> it looks fake as shit. I mean, it's not CG, it's clearly, but it's fr- you can't say it's not green screen, Neil. Mm-hmm. You can't say that you put a tiger on a cliff and just had it lie there while you were like right underneath it. You can't say you did that. It doesn't look convincing. <laughs> it really doesn't. Do you think he's he knows he's fibbing, or he's just... I don't... Neil Breen. Maybe he has a different definition of green screen. He's, like, being vague in his phrasing. So he could be like, oh, well, I wasn't lying. It is a real lion or tiger. It's a real tiger, right. it is. technically. It's just composited in there. Yeah. That's the <laughs> fake part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd... Uh, I'd recommend it. <laughs> for the Neil Breen fan. That was convincing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced. I can't for that price. Yeah. It's the price and the length. Yeah, yeah if like, it was I a can't. lower price. Like, I would rather just buy all of his films. Yeah. And, and guaranteed, this, this retrospective had significantly the least budget out of anything he's ever made. Because he's just showing clips from his old movies and talking in front of a camera, yeah. and that's it. That's literally it. And yet there's 150, I mean, 200 in Canadian even, dollar <laughs> price point. And yeah, it's sure, it's five hours, but it, it's like he's trying to combine <laughs> the value of all of his previous films, even though he's not really 
Like you don't get the full experience of all the previous films. Yeah. But from how it sounds, it's like six hours long because he wants it to be long, not because it needs to so. be. Like yeah. everything he said is just like it could be said in an hour. It really could. Which is he great. repeats himself so much. <laughs> to the point where it's just comical. And you can literally like interrupt him before he finishes his sentence because you know what he's gonna say because he said it already. <laughs> it's like literally exact same shot but different voiceover. So he said the same thing twice. It's like he had a, a pre-made clip show slash slideshow of different footage and photos, and he just, like, dumped them all together and did a single take talking over them and just, like, didn't bother to cut any of it out several times throughout the movie for, like, each section that he goes into, basically. Damn. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's a news story about AMC. That oh, really? They're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, yeah, that so was coming. There's that. I don't know too much about that, but yeah, it, that was coming. And it's worrying. They have enough money for like the rest of the year. I heard that uh, they were on the verge of bankruptcy before COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, this probably didn't help. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. So what is AMC for those outside of... But like America, is they are the... a theater chain. Yeah, in America, like in one the of US, popular ones specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think and any the of the quality of their theaters is mixed, but they have nice theaters. Some of them. Okay. Yeah, and the channel as well. I'm assuming they're owned by the same parent company, the TV channel, right? Are they? Are they completely different? <laughs> I think they just have the same name. Really? I'm not too sure. It's like AMC yeah. theaters and then AMC. You'd think, you'd think that yeah. they they'd have some sort of relation, right? Right. Should we look this but up? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Is it relevant? I mean, sure, look it up. I don't know what you'd look up. Okay. Is AMC Theaters the same company <laughs> as TV? <laughs> They're two completely different corporations despite their identical acronym. Okay. Yeah. American Movie Boy. Classics is the cable television channel. And then... American multi cinema. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Really? Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, okay. That's bizarre. Two billion bucks, apparently, they've estimated to have lost in this first uh -huh. quarter. Mm -hmm. Two billion. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I feel like some gigantic corporations just don't know how to manage their money properly, and they're always like, either spending too much into their businesses or spending too much into their CEO pay that like every year they're just like barely making right. it by. They're like, sorry, we can't raise the minimum wage. Sorry. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And then, you know, rainy day comes, disaster hits, and suddenly all these gigantic corporations are either like belly up or they need a bailout. And it's like, well, what the fuck? You're supposed to be making the big bucks. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a lot of them just don't plan for this kind of thing. They don't have any money set aside for for any reason well, it's to help their company growth, stay afloat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has to be more and more and more. And when you have something that makes it so you can't be making more for a little bit, it kind of throws a yeah. wrench in the works. They're technically legally bound to increase profits for their shareholders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oopsie. What does this actually mean, though? Like, uh, surely. They're going to need places to show movies, you know? Like, what, where's Disney going to put their movies if they don't have AMC theaters to? Disney Plus. 
<laughs> well, Disney could open their own theater chain and have their that own movies. That would be so own, weird. Which does worry me. But that, that is, is like... I think that's like worst case scenario. That That's almost Orwellian right there. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, because then they control what's in cinema. Yeah, they could you know. easily just buy out AMC, couldn't they? Yeah, I was thinking... Oh, that's exactly what yeah. I was about to say. What if they just bought it and owned it? Hmm. Their own little platform. Yeah. There are other theater chains. There's Regal Cinema, which is like Tom Cruise is like the head of that. I had no idea. uh, I don't know. Bowtie. (laughs) You know, there's like little ones throughout states. But AMC was a huge one. It's the biggest one in America. Yeah. A shit ton of AMC theaters. That could be it. A big studio can buy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My my main concern is always going to be with film festivals because they rent these things out like just for a specific Mm -hmm. point in the year. They don't use them all year round. And as we mentioned in the previous episode, like at Toronto Film Festival, like one of the biggest theaters that they had for the festival is just like turned into condos now, which is just so depressing. There's like mm-hmm. no good reason for it. <laughs> like they didn't go out of business, like they were doing fine. But I guess the property was just worth so much in that area. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like in 10 years time, uh, we're going to look back and be like, whoa, things have uh, changed quite a lot <laughs> since. Uh... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chrono, this like the movie theater will be the new rotary phone. All the new generations, you'll be like, This is what this was, or like a blockbuster. Yeah, the, you'll get a notification on your phone, like the new Marvel movies out, the new Avengers movies, <laughs> Netflix on your phone, or whatever, or Disney Plus, and just watch it on your yeah. phone. Maybe it'll suck. just like you can upload it to the chip in your arm that Bill Gates puts in, and then it'll just like <laughs> yeah. control your brain. You'll feel the, what the movie was like but it'll be like an instant upload, so you won't actually have to watch it, and it'll be really time efficient. I'll just go like, beep, six out of ten. Oh, they could upload like the <laughs> the emotions. They yeah. Could upload the nostalgia. It's like a like a hit. They like every periodically, they just <laughs> dose you with a bit of nostalgia. Oh my God. <laughs> Anything could happen. It's super interesting at the very least. Like, I can't wait to see the other side of all this. Like, just what's going to happen to this industry? Mm-hmm. Everything's just Adam, fucking said the falling apart. could get nicer now because it's a little more competitive. I think and they the, should. And the thing but... with, with AMC is the theaters weren't too good quality. Yeah. yeah they they were quantity chain. over like quality. The, the, the standard, yeah, the standards kind of went down because there were so many. There's a shit So time. now it would be nice to have like, yeah, just less theaters, but they're nicer. Because it's somewhere you actually go for fun. You don't yeah. want to have a bad time when you go. And I've had bad experiences there before because it's too crowded or, you know, fucking things are sold out. Well, the floor's sticky, yeah. Yeah, and if it's like a chain like that, no one gives a shit. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. If if every theater tried to adopt their business model more closely to uh, Alamo Drafthouse, I would not complain. Because they try mm-hmm. to do that with a chain in Canada called Cineplex. They have the uh, VIP theaters. Basically, you pay a little extra, you get nicer seats you get uh dining you know service their food's shit but um (laughs) you can you can order drinks and even though their pre-made drinks are like sugary garbage if you know what you want and you see the bottles behind the counter you're like can you make this they have real bartenders so that's a nice experience Mm -hmm. less people in the theater too still nothing close to what uh alamo draft house is doing like that's probably the best theater experience in my opinion Mm -hmm. people want to go there yeah, exactly. After this coronavirus thing, people are going to go back there. They're not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> this is so yeah. Good. Maybe the food thing now, that might be, people might be worried about that. They might not want food, but 
Maybe. What about just because like in that environment, you're so close to other people. I guess so. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're putting your fingers all over everything. Yeah, fucking Imagine. eating like a chicken wing like next to someone you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Spitting I don't want to live. Yeah. I guess <laughs> exactly. Like, if they space out the seating in the same way, like, restaurants are reopening in, in many different places, and in Canada, too, uh-huh. where they basically just have, like, empty seats between each seat, or empty tables between each table. Who knows exactly how effective that is, but it seems to be more effective than nothing to mitigate yeah. things to some degree. You, you could probably do a theater in the same way. I just don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't think Tenet's going to be released this year. <laughs> you know? <Really>? No. <laughs> I thought Nolan was like insisting it was going to come out. They, they say that it needs to be, a certain amount of theaters need to be showing it for it to be justified. And I don't know if that's going to be the case or how theaters are going to operate. And if every theater showing it is at like half capacity also or less even like, will they justify doing it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Apparently drive-in movies are making a comeback too. Uh, unfortunately there's uh. not that many here. There's like, uh, there, there was one that I was looking at and I was like, Oh, maybe I could go there. And then I looked at what movies they were playing. I'm like, Oh shit, this is just stuff I could get digitally right now. Because nothing's in theaters, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea to do a drive-in. It seems like the safest option at the moment. Yeah, true. I didn't yeah. even thought about that because they just they seem so rare now. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of them. Depending on where you are, you could probably find a drive-in. I would like to see Tenet, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's happening. Yeah, so would I. But <laughs> yeah, well, when's it supposed to be coming out? Like middle of July or something uh-huh. in the UK, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. And surely, even if they do, if they just forced it out there and it didn't perform, like surely that would just screw everyone over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad because it's, it's a lot of money too. That that film, exactly. It's a big yeah, I'm risk. sure it was an expensive ass movie to make. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. They could probably monetize it in some way. <laughs> yeah, but that really devalues the movie a lot. Like once it, once it comes out, that first weekend is when you make most of the money. Just release it on digital. No, do it. It devalues it so much. I know. <laughs> they can't do yeah, that. And yeah. they're not going to do that. Especially Christopher Nolan. You know, he's exactly, the big yeah. hardcore That's cinema the guy. You got to see it in the cinema. You got to see it on film. They're yeah. not going to allow fucking just IMAX. dumping it on VOD. I know. But yeah. I feel like it, it could be record-breaking if it did. Because it would be the biggest news story. Uh, that, that's yeah. not enough to even make its money back, though. Really? Like that Trolls 2, it made $200 million. That's not even the budget of, of this movie. I know, but <laughs> if, if they if they charge like 30 bucks per rental or something, <laughs> and you'd have to imagine that more people would probably get it compared to Trolls 2, I think. Maybe? More people would no, get it, but I don't know if I they'd be know. paying for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because like families were watching that. There's just if you're charging someone twenty dollars each person to go into the theater plus popcorn and all that, you're gonna make so much more money than just on VOD. Yeah. This Trolls movie, I think, is a special case because everyone was home. Yeah. And also twenty dollars. Yeah. And if you're yeah. if you're a mom, you don't have time to learn how to torrent something. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it has to be released in a theater, even if it's later. It has to be released in a theater. Yeah. They're no, not I think it's more likely it'll be delayed. Than just yeah, put yeah. on VOD. It's just the yeah. wrong project for it. Trolls is like fine because like, 
Oh, yes. shit about trolls. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Family film. Yeah, it's animated. Okay. It's not like some passion project. It's not an auteur's, like, you know, vision. Yeah, like, yeah. Like this is. The, uh, <laughs> the Saw Spiral Twitter account, somebody was tweeting at them being like, hey, can you just please release it on digital? They're like, you have to see this in the theaters. Trust us. <laughs> Saw Spiral. <laughs> like, okay. In 3D. It, I... It's not 3D. Probably but... will be. <laughs> no. I mean, they didn't film it in 3D, <laughs> so I hope not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's there's some that feel, like, relatively unjustified. Fuck, man. Mm-hmm. They, like, they accidentally released uh, the new Eric Andre movie on Amazon. Accidentally. For, like, a short amount of time, and then I reviewed it, and then I realized that they, like, took it down <laughs> from Amazon and no one could watch it. And then Netflix bought it. And we don't know when that's coming out, but fuck. I feel bad for Eric Andre, because that movie could have been a hit. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Bad trip. Yeah. I always wonder how that happens when, like, entire movies just, like, leak. I remember, like, I think it was on, like, the Sony YouTube channel. They, like, uploaded an entire movie early or something by complete accident when it was supposed to be a trailer. I could imagine how they could do <laughs> Every now and again it happens. <laughs> I remember that's that happening. It might fun. not have been Sony, but that definitely happened. Because yeah. because these uh, companies have um, entire libraries of their films uploaded to YouTube so that they can be purchased through YouTube's movie thing and also so that they can be added to the content ID library to mm-hmm. take down and, and monetize other movies. So it's in a library yeah. somewhere on these film studios' accounts. So it's not it's not like out of the question that some random content manager who's paid not not as much as they should be just accidentally you know accidentally publishes the wrong thing as for eric andre and bad trip i have no idea why amazon accidentally (laughs) released the movie for for a day (laughs) like on amazon prime it came out yeah it was really weird so like you upload the file and then yeah you got to publish it so they might have just published it by accident it might have been a thing where like See, I have no idea still, because part of me is thinking like, oh yeah, so the coronavirus delayed the movie, and then it was supposed to come out on digital after, and that was the date, and they just didn't change it. But it was so close to the date of the movie that it was like within a month, so why would that be the case? You would think it would still be in theaters before... Yeah. Yeah, I I watched it like last month. It was really funny, though. I really liked it. I didn't even know it was out. Exactly. (laughs) I have to watch it. Yeah, somebody like posted on my subreddit being like, oh, it's out now. I'm like, oh shit. And then it wasn't after I watched it. <laughs> All right, I guess uh, I guess it's time to talk about the uh, movie recommendation. About the sexy beast. Yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Take it okay. away. Well, this was my pick. This was my pick. Uh, sexy beast from the year two thousand from the director Jonathan Glazer. So you say it, Glazer? I, I don't know how it's supposed to be said. <laughs> it's, an, it's, a, it's a unique name for sure, but uh, people pr- probably most know him on uh, on Sardonicus, at least from us bringing up Under the Skin mm-hmm. a fair amount. Glazer. Um, you might also know him from his pretty famous uh, music videos, is where he got his start, I believe. Fuck yeah. Uh, working with Blur, Radiohead, um, some real, like, bangers in there um it's really good music videos um mm. yeah so it's his first picture um and i was super curious um to see how it would compare to under the skin because that it's a, it, uh, i don't know if it could be any more different to be honest in terms of the 
the the tone, the presentation of well, not the presentation necessarily, but the the genre. It's more of a crime drama kind of thriller type mm-hmm. thing um, about a a, a retired uh, safe cracker who is uh, brought into one last job by uh, a a particularly uh, <laughs> intense Ben <laughs> Kingsley who plays yeah. the character of uh, Don Logan who uh, makes the movie, I think. And yeah, it's uh, it might be a familiar story to some because apparently it was a huge inspiration on the story of GTA V, which I I could see, actually, with a, a lot oh, of comparisons. Yeah. But the most interesting thing about it to me is this angle of it being kind of framed as a heist movie, but the heist isn't really that important at the end of the day. It's more about just this conflict of someone who's retired kind of being forced into the fact just with these insane personalities just pushing on each other and clashing yeah it's nice and brief back too. to the game it's, it's great yeah exactly yeah i really liked it i don't know about you guys i know ralph did as well mm-hmm. I, feel <laughs> yeah, like. I loved it yeah it's jonathan glazer yeah i i did really <laughs> I, I enjoyed it a lot more than i was expecting this is this is a movie where yeah. i ever, as far back as i can remember in this ancient thing called a video store i i would go past the uh, cover for this and be really reluctant to ever check it out just because of the title. <laughs> and I was like, well, what the fuck? Is, is this about yeah. a rapist? It's like, what is this movie? <laughs> and I was just like not interested in checking it out. And then after, you know, Under the Skin, I was like, oh, Jonathan Glazer. I'd always been like somewhat interested in the back of my mind, even with Birth, I, which I still haven't seen. Just looking at the cover for that, I'm like, ah. Oh. This looks yeah, like it could be like kind of interesting, and now I'm just like, holy shit! I'm I'm actually I could watch Birth pretty soon at this point because that's the only one of his features that I haven't seen yet, and I've really enjoyed yeah, I the, the other thought. two. I I enjoyed this one a lot, maybe more. Like just like Under the Skin, it's not just a heist movie. It's like it's just something totally its own thing. Ben Kingsley mm-hmm. comes in, he hijacks the movie. Yeah. And then it becomes a totally different movie. <laughs> and the then he goes away and it becomes a totally different movie. And it, it's a really great heist movie. It's a really great character study. And yeah, it's fucking that the soundtrack is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love the, the opening, dream too. The, mm-hmm. the dream elements yeah. were really interesting. Frank the Bunny. Uh, I, I, the opening is like really funny and goofy, which is like the rest of the movie doesn't. I guess there's like funnier, lighter parts, but the light opening was perfect and it Mm -hmm. set like the guy's life up and how like he's just like a bomb suntanning all day and he's fat and he's like Mm -hmm. he has like a great life you can tell he wants to do nothing else but that you can tell he's checked out he's fucking done (laughs) and then you know this guy comes in and fucks up his life it's definitely a dark comedy yeah Uh 100 percent um there's there's so there's so much humor in there so, so much great um cockney kind of british humor especially with just the use of language like there's mm-hmm. that uh, there's that point where ben kingsley um he tries to say insinuate or innuendo and he oh, combines yeah. the two words and says <laughs> insinuendos <Yeah>. he's like <laughs> he's like a he's i mean this in the best way possible he's like a man child he's like this mm-hmm. really terrifying stunted psycho yeah. um and <laughs> you see flashes of like uh, this kind of destructive behavior that you might recognize in real life just amplified to this crazy degree, mm-hmm. which supposedly was driven by this head cannon that uh, Ben Kingsley had where he made up this backstory where the character may have been sexually assaulted or something when he was younger. 
um, which is where he kind of drove the character. Yeah. And, and you can kind of see that in a lot of scenes, like especially that really fucked up moment where he's in the plane and he just lights up that cigarette and then gets kicked out. And he, <laughs> he knows he can get away with it because he just whips out this like this script when he's in the uh, when he's being interviewed and mm-hmm. manages to get out of it. And there's yeah. a lot of like really clever stuff like that. A lot of like implied history between a lot of these characters, which is really effective. Even to the point where I think they're they're making a TV show, like a prequel to this. Um, oh, really? In the coming years. I, I saw. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think Glaze is involved. But oh. the, it, the point is, is a rife enough uh, kind of universe and setting to uh, to warrant that kind of you know intrigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can really tell just how insecure this character is. Just like one of the yeah. most immature, insane, crazy people where he's literally throwing tantrums and like headbutting the air in front of the main character. Won't <laughs> accept no for yeah. an answer. And it's like I really didn't expect that sequence to go on that long in terms of like, you know, it, they set it up as this like, okay, retired criminal, all of a sudden this guy comes back up and he's like, you got to do this one last job for me. And the main character is like, but I can't, I can't offend him, you know? And obviously the guy's got connections. Like he might not want to put his life at risk. He's being put in this incredibly awkward and, and uh, shitty situation. And every, everything that I've ever watched <laughs> in every other movie that had this kind of premise and setup. Basically, it would wind up going like, okay, well, he's going to take the job and then conflict is going to happen. And, you know, the the audience and the character are going to be thinking, man, he shouldn't have taken that job. Whereas this film, it's the exact opposite. It's literally like, well, if he just took the job, then nothing would have went wrong, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. It would have been fine. (laughs) It was the fact that you protested against it that actually caused the conflict in the film, which is an interesting subversion yeah yeah the tagline of yes or yes is quite funny <laughs> just being a he's got no choice in the matter and it ultimately leads to what well, doesn't even lead to his demise it leads to uh ben kingsley's demise but mm-hmm. yeah well his demise too because once he's gone from the film he's just replaced with another villain played by the guy from john wick mm-hmm. and that guy yeah. is like it's like the grim reaper almost <laughs> super yeah, intimidating even more terrifying uh-huh. in a way and it's like this, it's almost like he'll never escape it, you know? And that's kind of what the bunny is in his dreams. Like, mm-hmm. it's this constant weight on his life. Like, this thing he's done, it'll never go away. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that that's more of, like, the core of what the movie means. And I think anyone can relate to that, which is why it's a good story. What do we think of the guy, the the other villain? I mean, yeah, he, he served his purpose for sure. It was... Uh... Teddy Bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more subtly intimidating, less comical for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was a nice contrast to uh, Don Logan, who is so unpredictable. Uh-huh. Whereas he's just an asshole. Character, obnoxious. Yeah, he's like a, a more kind of typical like boss type of figure that you just don't mess with. It's it's mm-hmm. so quotable. <laughs> like the the. I mean, you've already said that Ben Kingsley steals the show. Like, I, I think pretty much anybody <laughs> spunk watching this movie, yeah. it's like, that's the best part. It, the rest of the movie is still great, too. But Ben Kingsley really makes the movie. And I've got a couple lines written down. The um, I'm just going to have to turn this opportunity down. No, you're just going to have to turn this opportunity yes. 
It's just like it's so yeah, funny. It's a great line. It's so yeah. funny. And when he reacts to like uh when uh Dee Dee comes back with that snarky comment, she's like, What? We're we're surprised that you were seventeen and he just gives that glare. Just that like this isn't funny. And, like <laughs> just stares at her. Oh, it's so funny. I love it so much. But it's also intimidating. Like it gets to yeah. a point where he's just like really mean and like like you want the you want him to shut up. You can see <laughs> why they killed himself him. in the mirror. <laughs> uh-huh like he couldn't oh, make it yeah. through the movie even because he's so fucking obnoxious yeah but, like he has to die halfway through <laughs> when he was pissing on their carpet like he didn't even need to do that at all yeah he's a fucking jerk off that's probably like the worst that's one of the moments that sticks in my mind it's like one of the worst things he did <laughs> just pissing on their carpet yeah it's unnecessary he really is a child and you have to wonder like yeah. how he got into the situation that he is maybe just because <laughs> Maybe just because he does kind of... Uh, he's kind of the perfect person for it, to be honest. Yeah, he's intimidating, so. and he's persistent. So Pretty sociopathic. And he can just manipulate anyone yeah. through fear. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, no! <laughs> yes! I like the other two friend characters, too. Mm-hmm. There's like this other couple that they know. Oh, yeah. The way they introduced Don Logan was so interesting. It wasn't like some conventional, like, he calls the main character. He calls this woman that he knows... And, like, we find out through her and her husband, like, the whole plot and that Don Logan's coming. That was, like, a great scene, that that dinner scene. And then, like, the, the husband character was, like, very uh, friendly and, like, funny almost. And it was perfect, like, him contrasting with Don Logan, who was just a fucking jerk-off. Yeah, the fuck and off. he was kind of cowardly, too. <laughs> yeah, ca- like, kind of cowardly. Like, in the scene where he's getting destroyed with the uh the gun at the end he's kind of uh-huh. cowering in the background but then he's the one who takes like the final blow i guess yeah the final yeah, blow. yeah. <laughs> did did you guys watch this with subtitles or no uh, the second I, time i, I really yeah. wanted to um but on the version i had there was no option so mm. that was pretty pretty disappointing there were mm. subtitles on itunes but what i found very hilarious was that one one of the subtitles at one point literally just said indistinguishable from in the middle of a sentence from one of the characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When um, when his friend shows up near the beginning of the movie, his friend is introduced and he's talking about uh, like the boulder and listing all these colors like uh, aquamarine and stuff. And then he says the line, "Check it out. You can have a look at the indistinguishable." <laughs> and that was just on the iTunes subtitles, which. I mean, it only happened once, but I just found that kind of amusing. Yeah, some very thick accents yeah. in the movie. If you're not used to Cockney, um, I could yeah. understand the confusion. Yeah. That's why I put the subtitles on. Yeah. Subtitles help. Especially yeah. for The thing with the boulder accent was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love the and way it was shot, the, too. The body in there. Yeah, the you don't see it coming shot. at all, like that ending. The, the way the whole film was told, like the editing was great. The way they like play yeah. with time once Ben Kingsley's character leaves the movie, you don't quite know what happened to him, and it's slowly revealed as the heist is going on. Mm-hmm. Like There's so much brilliant stuff going on, and you can't quite keep up with the movie, which is why it's so like unpredictable, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, it has a really good pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really good tension building. Uh-huh. Despite how long the sequence is where it's literally just him arguing about whether or not he's going to do the job, it is really well paced. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the most entertaining yeah, part of the movie, even though it's like kind oh, yeah. of the most stagnant in terms of like the plot driving forward. I was legitimately thinking like, man, what if the rest of the movie is just him arguing with Ben Kingsley? <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> it even be upset. for so long. <laughs> and you're hoping for it too, because it's so entertaining. Yeah, yeah it's really funny. 
it has that dark sick sense of humor to it yeah you really enjoy it and i oh. love how it's just like any other movie even if he wound up eventually doing the job or not doing it any other movie that would be a conversation over one setting it would be it would be over like one dinner table thing maybe brought back up later but as this movie is going it's like holy shit it's nighttime and then he goes on a plane and he comes back and it's still going. <laughs> He's like still arguing. <laughs> yeah. like, it's over such a long period of time for this character. But I mean it yeah. it works out really well cuz it just it completely justifies how abusive he is and why they needed to like kill him <laughs> literally. It's just yeah. like holy shit, like he was never going to leave so badly. Yeah. 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 He literally would not take no for an answer. So it's like, well what <laughs> what do you want <laughs> like why even ask the question it's crazy lots of fun what do you though. think of the uh meaning of the boulder then i i didn't really think too hard about it but i don't know from first impression you could probably <laughs> interpret it as you know just this unstoppable force shadowing yeah, yeah showing up into his life and uh really rustling things up and <laughs> and fucking with him and it lands and also on lands like, the, uh, like right in the middle of the hearts yeah, yeah. It's it's just served a good purpose in the plot, so I don't even think about it like that. The only reason it was so it was standing out in my mind so much was because for the first I don't know fifteen minutes of the movie, I ke I kept noticing these um they must have been references to the Big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. They must have been the the like perspective shot of the uh, boulder rolling exactly like the ball in the Big Lebowski. There was mm -hmm. the the same music even from the Big Lebowski, and there was one other thing too, the the kind of like floating scene, the dream sequence, which mm. I thought was interesting actually, because a lot of the time when a, a dream sequence is established, it's kind of kept a secret until the inevitable like wake up in bed, shocked type thing, but they actually went out of their way to show that he was dreaming, which I thought was an interesting yeah. mm -hmm. take on a dream sequence. The Big Lebowski was two years before this movie was released, so who knows? Yeah, and my other reasoning for why I think it it might be directly inspired is because of that blur music video that he mm. did where he's like shamelessly just using imagery from clockwork orange so okay he's he clearly like uh, knows what he likes and it's definitely a good way if, if it is your first feature like if you if you see something done a certain way like that perspective shot of the the uh the bowling ball rolling mm -hmm. um like why would you not want to try apply that to your own story i think it works really well it, it doesn't bother me or anything i think it's actually really good and really uh the visual side of it i thought was really interesting actually like uh there's that really interesting shot where ben kingsley's just going in on the main character but he's he's blocked by uh, the right side of the the screen i couldn't tell what it was if it was like a pillar or, mm -hmm. or like a wall but he was the way it was blocked where he kept kind of leaving the frame and popping back in was like just such an interesting yeah. and fresh way to display like a conflict like that and then he's like smashes into the kitchen cabinet and stuff it, mm -hmm. it's all yeah. very kind of natural there were quite a few uh concepts filming wise that i really enjoyed in this movie there was that kind of uh i guess non-literal sequence with him and his wife and they were like floating and their hair was all wavy and stuff yeah. and you could tell that they just filmed that underwater and i think conceptually that's a really cool way to achieve that effect even though you can tell it is, that yeah. that's how it was done but at the same time so much of this movie is also underwater anyway so even if you can tell that that part of the movie is underwater you can also kind of be like okay well maybe 
it doesn't really matter if you can tell that that's what they did because it kind of plays into the rest of the movie in ways. Yeah. I also really mm-hmm. loved conceptually the idea of like this underwater heist at the same time where it like yeah. fills them in the room and you know it's it, it was a really good opportunity for the sound design and and the presentation and i think that that sequence worked really really well too mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy you can tell he has ideas you can tell he, he was thinking like yeah i would love to do like an underwater heist sort of thing and then just worked out and yeah. it avoids being gimmicky despite all these tropey settings like these heist movies or mm-hmm. these you know exaggerated gangstery kind of characters it does avoid that kind of pitfall which is really interesting why do you think the movie was called sexy beast i, I was gonna ask that yeah i think it's just because it sounds like something a cockney would say and the main character <laughs> references a few times that mm. you know i guess his, so. his looks and yeah, but I feel like it kept people away from the movie, like Adam. It like really, I feel like it did. Yeah, because it seems like mm-hmm. it's going to be one of the, these movies where like sex is a big part of the movie. When in reality, it was just like one flashback. They talked about a cocaine orgy that they didn't even show, and that's about it. Like, it, yeah. there wasn't really the, the movie doesn't really have anything to do with sex, but it's yeah. a part of the title, and it's just I don't know. That's what I get thinking too, because. The elements of sex that are in there, like I'd say the major one is the the relationship between Ben Kingsley and also D.D. Dove, I think her character was called. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that that was the main element. And there's no, yeah, they never show it. It's all just communicated through dialogue. And I was thinking, I think it was at some point in a previous episode, we mentioned like sex scenes. And I really liked the approach to the way they handled that kind of thing. Because even in that orgy scene, it's it's not even really particularly explicit it all feels like all of the filmmaking feels like it's in service of the story yeah for Mm -hmm. someone who comes from a a kind of music video background you could see where that could go wrong in theory and there there was only like two shots where i was like yeah you definitely come from like a music kind of background here with the way you're you're showing some of this but Mm -hmm. for the most part like it's (laughs) really impressive yeah like all the stuff with the dreams so I felt, mm. that felt like music video. And the little Donnie Darko guy. Yeah, little yeah. Donnie Darko. Frank. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ralph, have, uh, are you familiar at all with uh, any of the music videos he's directed? No, I haven't seen his music videos. I, I was on IMDb before I watched the movie, and um, it, it was pretty It was pretty neat just like looking through his uh, filmography and just being like, oh, hey, fuck, I've seen that, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, Massive yeah. Attack, Live With Me, that was a good music video. Like, that's one that really stuck out to me. And it's like, holy shit. Same guy. Mm-hmm. What a great director, honestly. Yeah, I had no idea. Karma police already. It's crazy, yeah. Not that many features. Only three. So none of us have seen Birth then, or what? I've seen I Birth. I think Ralph has. Yeah. yeah, Birth is really good. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely. I, I like this better. Upon. I've only seen this, right. I, like, recently, my first time. And then mm-hmm. I saw yeah. it like the second time the weekend, like he recommended it, Alex. So it was perfect. Mm-hmm. That is perfect, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's awesome. I guess he's quite a sporadic filmmaker then. Because yeah. Sexy Beast, year 2000, Birth, 2004, and then nothing for nearly a decade until Under yeah. the Skin. And is, what's he doing next? Isn't it an A24 war movie or something like that? Yeah. No idea. Like Which could be really like interesting. That. I think the Holocaust, but... I think it's a Holocaust film. Yeah, I think something about that. And there was a short, the the fall, mm-hmm. um, which was great. I, I wanted to try and watch that, but I, I couldn't find it anywhere. So, 
in America, I think it's easily available, but yeah. I yeah, that's the thing, trouble. like outside of America, uh-huh. you just can't find it. I first saw it on the BBC, like they had a player, I, I watched it on there, because he's like a UK oh, right. director, yeah. Oh, maybe it is on I, there. I had then. to find it on there, yeah. It might be different now, that was a year ago. Now I think A24, okay. A24 put it out on like their site for hmm. the US, anyway. So if you're okay. in the US, watch it, it's cool. It's not even that long. It's it's creepy. Yeah, it's like seven minutes long, isn't it? It's like any yeah. real short. Yeah. It's good to see something lighter from him <laughs> like this. Even birth is like really depressing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've like read the li- plot synopsis fun. of that. It seems uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like it's it could be a depressing movie. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love that his movies are so different, too. I mean, I haven't seen Birth, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that right. it's probably well. Birth not is just a drama. Like, yeah. yeah, there's no action. There's no like sci-fi elements. It's just you know people. Yeah. There's like an element of this movie. Oh yeah, there's a part where a guy gets shot. It's the, the other villain played by the John Wick guy, and there's no blood on him at all. Even though he shoots him like right in the head, right oh, in front right. of him, <laughs> like no blood on him at all. <laughs> yeah. That took me out of the movie a little. Especially when there's, like, so much blood, like, on the wall and, like, on the cabinet that he shot him. Like, come on. Yeah, I didn't really notice that. Yeah. yeah nothing fun. really jumped out to me that pulled me out of the movie, honestly. I was really engaged with this one, especially with how kind of brief it is. I think it's the perfect length. Mm-hmm. It, it just sticks around an hour and a half. It's just the perfect length. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more from this kind of concept. Like, I really like this idea of taking a familiar genre and finding a space that is fresh and new, which yeah. is what he's yeah. done with both in a really clever Sexy way. Beast and Under the Skin. Yeah, know, exactly. It's both tropey kind of topics. Taking but... that like one plot point and just making it the opposite so he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Like that changed the whole movie and made it so yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we want to give ratings? Are we yeah. ready? Or do you have anything else to say? I'll just say it when I give my rating. It's just a little fucking blurb. <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, like, I think the movie, once Ben Kingsley's gone, is not as good. I still think it's really good. But I would probably give it a 9 out of 10, like, if I had to give it a rating, just no. for that. Just I think it's better when he's there than, like, the second half with the heist and everything. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm slightly lower just on my first watch with a, a four-star, but it is I, I absolutely adore movies like this, just, like, character. It's all about dialogue. It's all about the kind of subtlety and the the originality of the idea. Um, I I actually can't wait to show this to a bunch of people who I think will really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving this one a 8 out of 10, and I loved how the main character was beat red for the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, and he apparently went it. to Spain two weeks before oh, really? they started shooting, and um, all he did was thunder. just eat. And uh, yeah, he said it was like the best preparation for a role he's ever had to do. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So I could hang out in Spain and just eat and something. Holy yeah, shit. Dude. Yeah. But it, it's great. I mean, everyone has a suntan in, in the movie. It totally yeah. like adds authenticity to them. The setting is, is great, too. It is re- a really good set. I actually thought it might wind up being like a, a bottle movie, just completely set in that one location. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm glad the, the, it went the way it did. Yeah, you're right. They shot a lot of the movie in that house, and it was always, like, visually interesting. And the world of it felt real. There was, like, the pool guy who would come in, like, the kid they hired, and yeah. Yeah, served yeah. a point in the plot, and they set up that gun with him. Like, they went out, uh, like, shooting, I don't know, rabbits or something. Hunting, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was fun. 
Yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> he was hunting rabbits, and then that Frank the Bunny showed up. Yeah. Hmm. The Donnie Darko. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it was supposed to be. It was like a similar field, too. It was like a desert field. Donnie Darko came out a year after this movie. Hmm. Oh. Suspicious. Really? That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we all know Richard Kelly. That's who directed it, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 We know he's a hack. Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like who who makes better movies, him or uh, Jonathan Glazer? (laughs) All right, question time. Okay, let's answer some questions from the community. If you want to leave your own questions for us, head over to the Reddit where there's a suggestion thread. You can ask whatever you like. Let's start with this one from Butter467, who asks a relevant question. Uh, Considering what is going on in America with the protests and riots over the death of George Floyd, what are some some movies you think showcase racism in a very accurate way? You've talked about Spike Lee. Oh yeah, that's a good one. He makes a lot of good films about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One Mm -hmm. of them I'm going to recommend, so I won't say. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay. But what else? He's made Malcolm X. Someone wrote that. Uh, they posted about that on the Reddit. Malcolm X is very good. Chirac. Yeah, he makes. He has a good library of films like that. There's also like films recently, like Fruitvale Station. Blind uh, spotting. Like blind spotting. They specifically deal yeah. with kind of like police brutality in that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Blind spotting a little bit. Uh, a little more so Fruitvale Station, but like b- both of those are great. Yeah, blind spotting was really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of like a felt a little uh, underrated, or at least like yeah. it didn't didn't yeah, make I, as I much really money as it liked probably should. Blind spotting. Uh huh. That yeah, one came. Out I really think it should have been, yeah, watched by more eyes. Mm-hmm. And really funny too. Like that movie dealt with the themes. So it was just a really good movie. Like, it, really did, good it does characters. that thing. It's my, it's like my favorite tone where you have like a kind of a comedic, carefree tone, but then at a certain point it suddenly gets real. I, mm-hmm. I love that kind of thing in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Spike Lee's movies are like that too. Yeah, not yeah. old boy. Uh, <laughs> the director of old boy, <laughs> Black Klansman, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've got answers, but they're like pretty, pretty like extreme cases of like Twelve Years a Slave or what like about, American like, History out. X. Get Out is a good example because, like, I, I think because that's it's like a contemporary setting, yeah, you know, and it's applied to like a fantastical kind of theme, but still, yeah, works yeah. well with what this question's asking. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. more underlying. And not as uh, overt, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, 12 Years a Slave or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. <laughs> but Of course, like, yeah. It just seems like anybody's answer, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, people are making countless lists, and there are lots of good picks, actually. There's a bunch of movies I've been meaning to get around to from that, this kind of topic. Like, what, 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 what's one that you haven't gotten around to yet? That you're looking forward to. What's it called? I am not your Negro. Mm-hmm. That's been on my watch list for a while. Who made that? Let me tell you, uh, Rail Peck. I might have okay. said it wrong, but is that the 2016? 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. on my watch list. I haven't seen yeah. that yet. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I have a bunch on my watch list. I just <laughs> never got around to. Bill Street Talk. That's one. That's mm-hmm. a Barry Jenkins made that. That's good. I like Barry. <laughs> okay, we've got some pretty good answers there. The corniest lemur has one for us. Specifically directed at Adam, but I think we can all probably answer it. Hmm. Adam, you've gone on record as saying 
you think Rick and Morty is the best animated show on TV at the moment, but I don't think you've said anything about it after the first season. Are you still watching the show? And if so, what do you think of it now? Um, it hasn't like dropped off so dramatically in quality that I think it's bad, but I'm, it, it is kind of just pulling the same thing over and over and over again to the point where it's not new and surprising anymore and it's just really repetitive and i'm not as interested in it so like even though i really enjoyed season three uh i only watched the first two episodes of season four and you know i might watch them at some point but i'm not like i'm not like rushing to see them there's like other things i could be watching sort of thing so yeah i'm the fan base had nothing to do with it it was not like a oh no everybody else likes it so now i can't sort of thing it was just like the <laughs> yeah the the show wound up getting a little too repetitive and once you're familiar with the whole shtick of it it's just like oh it's it's just more of this and it's fine it's just uh, you know not yeah i'm in the crazy. same boat uh i agree i've so. only seen the first two episodes of season 4 i'm i'm finished it yet yeah i find it entertaining but you're right nobody really talks about it anymore yeah i yeah, I, 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 I just wish the show would decide if it wants to be like a kind of, not creature of the week, but you know, like a, a, a silly new thing each week with mm-hmm. this, with with no link, because there's like a vague overarching kind of narrative they, they attempt in certain seasons, which is like okay to me, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem like it's building or really going anywhere, and I just don't, yeah. I'm not sure what type of show it's trying to be at this point because i feel like it had a really strong identity at the beginning mm-hmm. um I, I really liked season two i think was where it peaked for me but yeah i feel like just any show going on for this long you've you've really got to have something to apart from like a gimmick like the meta gimmick mm-hmm. yeah i'll get around to it at some point but it's not like i don't think it's like the best show on tv at the moment yeah yeah i think i said I best animated you guys said when I was, that was my Blu-ray collection 2014 or something. Mm, whatever okay. that was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten sick of it. <laughs> I haven't seen any of season four. Yeah. And unlike you, that fan base, it has annoyed me. The whole Szechuan sauce thing was fucking stupid. <laughs> McDonald's, whatever the fuck that was. Ah, that was so man. stupid. Such a waste. Guys getting up on, like, <laughs> cashier's <laughs> registers. <laughs> Where's my Szechuan sauce? I mean, Wee! he, know, he knew Wee! what he was doing. <laughs> It's like, it's kind of these ironic. guys are so obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something really fascinating about the way, how quickly and how huge the fan base grew. Yeah, they just latched onto this how affected overall appeal of it. it. It is, that is really interesting. The merchandising me, was crazy on it. Mm-hmm. Video oh, yeah. games and, yeah, everyone had shirts and hats and toys, whatever the fuck. Funko yeah, Pops well, of it. I'm glad yeah. that Adult Swim has a, a hit, you know. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel like that is stuff. like maybe limited the show though, because like, maybe that's why it feels repetitive. Like it's going through the motions. That's just it's afraid to be something else. It just does more of the same because it knows that's what that's what people like. Yeah, like BoJack, I feel evolves and it becomes something else. Like as it, it has goes a along. narrative though too, like an actual yeah. the progress like characters over the show. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't think yeah. I I like Rick and Morty, but I don't like the rest of the characters. I don't think the rest of them are that interesting. Like the rest I like, of the family. Um, I like the dad. I think he's really funny. Oh yeah, okay. The dad. 
he's kind of absent. I, I guess that's what's funny about it. It's like he he's just, distances he's just himself so from pathetic. the family. Yeah, yeah, like the third season, yeah. he's in an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's okay. Uh, so what would you guys say is your favorite current animated show right now? Hmm, Christ. I don't watch it. Yeah, the last one I probably watched was Bojack, which ended a few months ago. Yeah. There's, uh... not on at the moment. The Shivering Truth. There's new episodes coming out right now. It's from the, uh, creators of Xavier Renegade Angel. It's stop-motion animated. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's that much, was a funny show. much darker and much more disturbing, but still just, <laughs> like, insane and fun. So, okay. yeah. Shivering Truth. Check it out, for sure. Really great I don't, great I don't animation, watch any too. animated shows now, because I'm not a kid. Hey! I liked Xavier Renegade <laughs> <Yeah>. Angel. <laughs> I'm watching what? The Wire now. The Shivering Truth is not for children. <laughs> let, me just, let me just throw that right out there. The shivering when truth I was a teenager, I loved Adult children. Swim. I loved watching all that shit. Animate? So. Come on! Don't, yeah, don't I'm be... kidding. I, I, okay. Of course, animated stuff is great. Of course, yeah. animated stuff's great. Yeah. Don't be one I don't of watch those. any of that now. <laughs> I liked Last Airbender. I watched that again recently. Oh, yeah? Like, I don't watch anything new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like yeah, things. The same reasons why it came out, so I ain't got no time for animated. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I hear it's great. <laughs> that shit. I saw one um, clip from the yeah. Reddit. Made me laugh really hard. Have you started um, watching I'm it, Alex? I it haven't but yet. I'm, I'm, I'm using it as my reward for once I finish some work i got to do. Okay. I finish my work and then I'm going to reward myself with a nice <laughs> marathon of things. Yeah. This is why. What a good reward. Okay. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait. We'll be, I, I'll, I'll be doing some commentaries on them. We're going to space them out a bit. It's like you can't do them all in one sitting. Great commentary. I'll watch one no. episode this week. Although it is a shorter season, it's only ten episodes. What? Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious to me. Thirteen Reasons Why is a ten episode season. It's just <laughs> for the first time in history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hyped. That oh, actually dude, makes dude. me a bit more yeah, optimistic cool. about it. Because one of the biggest issues I had with season three was it just <laughs> so stretched out. <laughs> like Dude. Like, why does this need to be 13 episodes? I felt that way since season two, episode one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a funny show. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hyped for it. It seems like some funny things happen this season. Yeah. Shivering Truth. Check it out. Anybody listening. It's awesome. And check out anything that uh, PFFR has made. Wonder Chosen, Xavier Renegade Angel, The Heart She Holler, and The Shivering Truth. Those are their four. Some more accessible than others. Some might not connect with you as much as others. But I, I think every single one of them are hilarious and bizarre and unique in their own way. And I, I love them so much. I'll watch anything they make. Okay, let's do this one then from... Oh, God. Matt R1X168, who says, Hello, Ralphie the Pizza Maker, Alex the Lion, and Fairy Boy. What are some of your favorite lines from cinema? Give cool examples. Also, why in his tr childhood trauma video did Ralph have a Dark Knight Rises poster, huh? What do you all have to say about that? <laughs> I have an Assassin's Creed Unity poster, too. Oh, I forgot about the Unity poster. <laughs> Those are my so brothers. Those weren't mine. Oh, there yeah. you go. But yeah, what are some of your favorite lines? I've I've got one that can uh, Go start us off if you want. 
Um, so it's from a movie I already m- mentioned earlier, Big Lebowski, of course. Um, but the line is that Walter says that he says about nihilists. Um, I mean, say what you like about the tenets of national national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos where he's basically saying. <laughs> At least the Nazis cared about something when he's like mocking nihilists. I think that's just such a funny line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a shit ton of things I could pluck out of some of my favorite movies. There's, I, I guess, the Holy Mountain. One off the top of my head would just be, you know, there's there's so many of these, but like one off the top of my head would be um, people do not wish to be loved for who they are, but who they appear to be. You know, things I I, mm-hmm. I like movies that have more um, I guess general commentary over humans and society and you know the way that people think and act and things things that are like kind of timeless mm-hmm. and ring true, just like a criticism of society as a whole. Those things connect with me. Hmm. Mine are like stupid. Sure. funny quotes that I like usually from gangster movies because mm-hmm. they're Italian they like Joe Pesci movies, like yeah. a lot of his lines in Goodfellas like the clown what am I a clown mm-hmm. uh, the Sopranos I quote a lot Paulie has a line about life he says um, the Framus intersects with the Ramistan approximately at the Pata Nostra that's my favorite line what the <laughs> <laughs> but there's a uh, that- Thanks to the Sopranos, actually, that that uh, quote from uh, Godfather Three is, is in my head quite <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot. Like, just when I thought just I got out, they pulled me back pulled me in. Back in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. It's funny how they acted out. Yeah, they're yeah. always quoting Godfather. There's like I don't know. There's some really quotable comedy movies like uh, Kung Pao and Black Dynamite are up there. Like, haha! Yeah, I threw that shit funny. before I walked in the room. It's like so many good, <laughs> so many good lines from from all those. Yeah, it might be like an obvious answer, but the tears and rain from Blade Runner. I, I have a soft spot oh, yeah. for. Yeah, like an improvised line. Mm-hmm. Somewhat memeable. <laughs> Everything's memeable if you try hard enough. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes in Social Network that I remember. Went in lines. Uh, yeah. Not now, but. <laughs> That's the thing. Whenever you put on the spot, it's like, I oh, I know there's this really good bit in this movie, but yeah. oh, I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> you know, it's just him like telling off people like really long paragraphs of like mm-hmm. dialogue. I don't want to yeah. say them all. Yeah. Like full rants. Pain yeah. turns yeah, to rants. fear. Fear turns to <laughs> anger. Star Wars has anger a Anger well, turns to Adam. suffering. <laughs> I don't even know if I said the right line. But... <laughs> that Was it from the prequels? Yeah, the yeah. best. Yeah. Best movies. Yeah. Oh, actually, I do like The Dark Knight Rises, and I think Bane's lines are pretty quotable. Oh, yeah. They really adopted quotable. the dark. I was born in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Actually. Everyone does his voice. <laughs> You're a big guy. I'll never get over how, like, test audiences made his voice sound worse. <laughs> Like five. Yeah, man, I was shocked the last time I saw it. But... <laughs> Test audiences cool, are the though. worst. It, it, there is something like really, I guess, memeable about it. You're yeah. right. It I mean, definitely it was... stays in your head. That yeah, God, when that memorable. film came out, that fucking voice, that fucking yeah. voice was everywhere. Yeah, I always liked it. 
But the, that whole trilogy was kind of like that. They're all quite quotable, like the Joker from the, from the Dark Knight. The Joker turn baby. Into a whole... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I would have to think harder about other quotable lines, but I, I, I think I gave some good ones. Yeah. How about this one then from uh, Key Bubs, who says, Is there a music album you guys think would make for a good The Wall slash Yellow Submarine type of movie? Uh, Black Parade. My Chemical Romance, it kind of tells a story, I think. Yeah, you could probably you could probably make some, something out of that. It's kind of rock opera-y, too. You know? My pick would be um, Demon Days by Gorillaz. Oh, yeah. I think that would make a sick movie. I, th- I think originally there was going to be some kind of Gorillaz movie or something like that. I, I th- the visual element of that band, I feel like, would, would work quite well, or could work quite well in in, in a framework like that. Yeah, Gorillas mm-hmm. is a good one. LCD Sound System, they make good music. Oh, yeah. Uh, American Dream. Didn't they do a score for something? I feel for a movie. Greenberg? Yeah, okay. it was Greenberg. I don't know why that fact was in my head, but it was for some reason. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Yeah. If you like uh, LCD Sound System, you should watch that movie Simon Killer. There's a scene where they use a song from them. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? Out. Which yeah. one? I think it's called, it's like a 12 minute long song. I think it's called Dance Songs. That's what I'm just looking at right now. Oh, the dance one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like LCD. Yeah, me too. All right. Okay, next. let's do this one. <laughs> Why Finn FFFFFFFF says there is usually at least one subplot which revolves around a romantic relationship or the potential of one in a lot of TV shows and movies where their primary. Genre is not necessarily romance, like superhero movies, for example, but in a lot of cases, the romantic subplots in these stories feel very forced and distracting, and therefore are claimed to be one of the weakest aspects. Mm-hmm. Name one example of a romantic subplot from a movie or a TV show that you felt was necessary to the overall story and enjoyed watching. Hmm. I have a good answer. Okay. And it's only because I finished it recently, and that's Bad Cool Soul. I was really thinking about it. I was like, I really really like the portrayal of the main relationship in that show i think it's really yeah. elegantly done Kim and, and i think it's Jim. key to what makes it's like, it's like the it's the hook of the show at this point for me it's like how's that gonna go down what's gonna happen there i think that's mm-hmm. what has a lot of people interested yeah she's not in the rest of it she's not like breaking bad exactly yeah but they also have like a really genuine connection and chemistry mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that, and i think that's all without a single sex scene I don't think they ever show anything like that. They just kind of sleep in the same bed. They don't show anything like that. See, my issue with this question is I can think of romance portrayed well in movies, but then at what point does it stop becoming a subplot and at what point is it about the actual plot, right? So like The Lobster, that's not really a subplot anymore after a certain point, really. Because that's like about the main plot. I guess, right? So yeah, it's kind of a difficult question. Yeah, it is a, a movie that's not a romance movie. Yeah, or it's not like a romantic comedy. You could say like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I guess. Yeah, because that's not really yeah, that's that is a subplot. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're asking about like shoved in ones like the Thor and like Natalie Portman and Thor or something. <laughs> well, like <laughs> but, in the the Hobbit movies with the uh-huh. the lost woman who was just shoved uh-huh. in. Good yeah. movies, it just feels so organic to the story that it doesn't feel like that. It's yeah. just part of the story. It doesn't feel like a shoehorned in subplot. It's usually just 
part of the genre where it feels organic. It's never fun when you can tell it was just on the checklist. And it's like, well, yeah. if you want to make a movie, you yeah. got to have a love interest. Otherwise, people won't be able to jerk off in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes they just need to pad out time. They don't need, like, what the fuck is this character going to do? Okay, give him a girlfriend or a love interest. Yeah. And, you know, That's why it seems triangle. so forced It's like a, It's time. like one of the easiest things you can write. Yeah. It's always Especially the same. Especially when it's yeah. like main character and then love interest that serves no other purpose other than to be love interest on the checklist you know yeah. like they have no character they might not even have chemistry sort of thing then they get killed or something they're there for that purpose <laughs> it's <laughs> dumb yeah. yeah there's a bunch of those it's a I, I i would consider that to be like a pretty big problem in movies it's just checklist mm -hmm. romance bullshit yeah when when something's that noticeable and that recognizable it usually is a sign that it's just too prevalent especially in action films because yeah. like they're they're not oh, focused sure. on characters at all, and yeah. so the women are usually like, yeah, <laughs> they either kick ass or they're like the love interest, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there's no to the dimension stakes. to that metal. <laughs> now they're in danger. Yeah, now they're save in them. He cares about none of that those character. characters are bad. I, I've liked some of them. You have to do something interesting with it, like John McClane and like Die Hard. They they're like divorced or something. She he yeah. has to yeah, win her heart dynamic. back. Yeah, yeah it was a little more interesting. Yeah, like uh, Lady in the Water. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Fuck the fish girl, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just scanning my Blu-ray shelf. Katara and Aang in the Last Airbender movie. Hell yeah! Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Sam and Frodo. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a solid one actually. Yeah. Hey, gay relationship counts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next question. Fangor asks this: Is there a movie you guys have discussed that you would consider reopening for discussion because you think there's a lot more that could be said about it now that you've given it more time to think yes. about it oh yeah also a different guest i think we could have different guests on like the dark knight and the dark knight rises i think we could discuss that mm. whole trilogy <laughs> are they asking about ones that we had for like the movie recommendation now or discussed before in any um, movie perspective discussed channels they just like, say discussed okay yeah i don't know because, I mean, like, I talked about The Dark Knight when I saw it in theaters, and I made a quickie right after in, like, 2012 or whenever that was. And it's gone down in my rating since then, for sure. But yeah. I don't know, like, out of... I don't know if there's anything we've really discussed on the podcast that I would feel differently about, though. I think these things change, like, slightly over time. Yeah. Opinions. And people like to keep up to date on it. <laughs> so I'm not opposed to it at all. Yeah. For me, um... I'd quite like to revisit Antichrist. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Or really? Maybe even the house that Jack built, <laughs> just to see <laughs> what I think about it now. Because, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it, I feel like when something is fairly polarizing to you, it can be a good experience to go back and yeah. watch it with a different frame of mind once you kind of know what you're going into. Yeah, I, I will be watching the house that Jack built again, even though I had the most negative perspective out of everybody on the podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. Like. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with, with Lars anyway. I'd, I'd be yeah, willing to watch yeah. it again for sure. We'll see. Yeah, and I don't know if it necessarily needs more discussion, but a, a film I keep thinking about is Fantastic Planet. I oh, think yeah? I underrated it when I, when I first talked about that, because mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about that movie. The imagery is just seared into my brain now, and I just constantly am I'm thinking about it. So That's cool. There yes. is something special about Fantastic Planet. That That's one of the best films I think we talked about. Yeah, there is something really special about that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I don't really have anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yeah, you want to do one more? Yeah, let's end on this one then. From a uh, DCX64, who says, "As of right now, what have been your favorite and least favorite Sardonicast episodes? Favorite <laughs> moments count too." I don't know. Ben and Arthur for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the movie experience. Like how. Yeah, yeah Ben and no, Arthur. The conversation, I think, is so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have some yeah. meme movies in there. Ben yeah. and Arthur, you Madagascar. Don't want it to be but... yeah. The best <laughs> ones. Yeah. I really like the Lord of the Rings one. I like mm-hmm. the ones no, we do yeah. on trilogies. I, I was like really happy with the Lord of the Rings one. Mm-hmm. And the Godfather one, actually. Yeah, the Godfather one, too. Least favorite? Uh. No, I don't have any least favorite. I think they're all great. <laughs> yeah, they're all incredible. <laughs> well, it's probably, f- from my perspective anyway, it's probably like the earlier episodes where just getting used to the format of recording these over Discord, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. such a, It's such a different experience. I don't know how you guys found it to get used to. Yeah, getting used to that, my my audio issues, uh, having to dub over my audio at one point. Oh, that's a good yeah. moment. Like, those were, like, my least favorite parts. Oh, shit, yeah. That's just because I was getting used to it, and because, you know, I was doing <laughs> college and work, and, like, this, mm-hmm. that was not a priority on my list. I was, like, yeah, recording yeah. on my laptop, like, in a library. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, just the, I don't know, I like the, um, I like, I like our uh, cultural differences discussions. I like when we kind of argue with each other, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Have some have some drama. I like when we're like defending things <laughs> that, you know, yeah. we have different. But it's perspectives. not like real drama. Yeah, exactly. We're exactly. like jokingly making fun of culture. Yeah. Yeah, or like you know differences on films too. I like I like when we yeah. we can have like a good argument about something. I enjoy mm-hmm. that. Always looking for conflict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's my answer. What would be the episode you would recommend to someone as like a first episode then? If you, you know, excluding the the obvious of starting with the first. <laughs> I always say like the most recent one. Depends who I'm recommending it to. I suppose. Because yeah. there's such a wide variety of different types of movies. So it would probably be catered towards the types of movies that I would expect someone would want to hear a discussion on. Yeah. You know, wide variety of guests too. I'd say if you're like familiar with the style of content, I think it would be good to start with one of the kind of funnier episodes with a, a kind of silly movie. So it's a good Jam. place to begin. Well, that's what I like about the Godfather one is that it's two incredible movies and then one horribly flawed mm. one. So there's a nice <laughs> contrast in conversation. Yeah. yeah, it just turns into a joke. The Matrix, <laughs> the same thing. Like it starts out good, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. That was the same thing. The third one mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> I like the third one actually, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, that's that's about it. We All right, it. so we, it. we have mm-hmm. a movie recommendation, and I should have—I uh, guess I should have discussed this before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, whose turn is I it? Forgot. <laughs> well, so if we—we we, we never really—we um, never really confirmed uh, whether or not Matt's recommendation would have been counted as mine. So I'll leave this uh, up to yeah. you, Ralph. So it's either going to be your turn or my turn, dependent on whether or not Matt's recommendation counted as mine. So your call. <laughs> okay. If you want to recommend, go ahead. I'll okay, recommend cool. mine next time. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So my recommendation is a double feature. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, it, it, I, I guess I, I won't bother explaining too much why they're double features. If you've seen them, which I'm assuming you both have already, then you'll already know why. It is uh, Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman oh, we'll duo joints. And they are connected in ways, but I, I've wanted to revisit both of them for quite a long time, especially Adaptation. That one would probably be the one I've seen the least out of like all of the Charlie Kaufman movies I love. And I know mm-hmm. that watching the, that uh, more recently, I'll have... A very different experience than the last time. I haven't seen it in forever, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming both of you have seen way. both of these movies anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How long ago you think? Uh, a couple of so years. long. I ca- yeah, I can't really remember much at this point, so I'm actually really excited about this. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hyped to talk about them. All right. So uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for being John Malkovich and adaptation, both directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. Watch them before the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. Uh, if you want to support the show, $2 a month, sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. You'll get these episodes early. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. You'll get these episodes as they're edited before they are public. Uh, also, we got merch. Link in the description. All right. And uh, All yeah, right. if you want to <laughs> <you wanna> help <laughs> me out with the episode intros... <laughs> you got any ideas? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start uh, writing. I'll a take few. them. Start racking my brain. Let me go write yeah. room. <laughs> I got. I still got a couple left. I haven't run out yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do we have to tell you what they are? Do we have to keep it a surprise and just tell you we have one and then just? I, I mean, if you wanted to like steal the intro and surprise me with an intro, I wouldn't object. Your call. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye bye everybody. Thanks everybody. Bye bye. Take care.